Ashley Brock here, reading Laura Griffin's book, Unforgivable, chapter 21. Mia made one last pass with her blue light before giving up and jotting the results down on her notepad. No blood evident. The room brightened, and she glanced up to see Mark standing in the doorway between her office and the lab. You coming down? Down where? She pushed up her orange-eyed shields and rested them on top of her head. Evidence room. Special delivery, from what I hear. I'm going to need a hand with this one. Mia tucked the sneakers she'd been studying back into the evidence bag. The shoes belonged to a suspect, and the investigator who'd sent them to her wasn't going to be happy with her results, but at least she felt confident that she'd done a thorough search. She resealed the bag with tape. Mind if we drop this off first? No problem. They swung by the evidence refrigerator, and Mia noticed the ever-flowing shelves. Was it a fluke, or did her absence have something to do with the pile-up? She resolved to put in some time that weekend to help her department get caught up. What's coming in? She asked Mark as they rolled down in the elevator tonight. Elevator together. Trash dump. I hear it's a big one, too. And Snyder's gotta be in his bonnet for some reason. I've been ordered to drop everything. After reaching the ground floor, they wound through some corridors to the intake desk where Delphi's evidence clerk accepted deliveries from law enforcement agencies around the country county, Mia heard a familiar voice and her footsteps slowed. Which case did you say this is? She looked at Mark. SMPD, I think. Why? Before she could respond, the door to the evidence room opened and Rick stepped out, followed by Jonah. Both detectives carried several white plastic trash bags in each hand. We're gonna need our gas mask for this one, Mark asked. You might. This stuff's pretty ripe, Jonah said. Rick glanced at Mia but didn't say anything, and she pretended not to feel slighted. We collected it last night about 11, Jonah said. It's been sitting in the trunk of my vehicle. I'm definitely going to have to hit the car wash. He and Rick carried the bags into a small windowless room known as the dump. It was just what the name implied, a place where people deposited large qualities Quantities of garbage, usually collected from people's curbs on trash day. The room had cinder block walls and a drain in the middle of the floor because it had to be hosed down and disinfected after each use. A box of heavy-duty rubber gloves sat on a counter beside an industrial-sized sink. Rick grabbed some and passed them to Jonah. Pulled out some for himself before offering the box to Mark, who shook his head. Don't want to get in your way here. Mark said, well, this my, I think I'll hang back and consult. He and Mia watched from the doorway as Rick crouched beside one of the bags and pulled out a pocket knife. He slashed through the plastic, trash tumbled out, and everyone drew back at the stench. Jonah knelt down beside the mess and shook his head. It's no wonder the suits got tied up last night. He shot a crumpy look in his partner's direction. This is why they pay us. The big bucks, Rick muttered. By suits, Mia guessed Jonah met FBI agents. Any doubt she had that this dumpster dive pertained to the Ashley Meyer case disappeared. Mia wasn't supposed to be working this case. At least she'd been told not to conduct any testing, but no one seemed to mind her observing, so she stayed. She told Mark he'd have to get someone else to lead a hand, lend a hand with the actual lab tests if they found anything to test, which certainly wasn't a given. If the suspect was someone prominent, as Mia was beginning to believe, he probably had other people living in his household with him. Whatever DNA they found in these items could belong to a wife, a child, a maid, or a cook. 
I thought Rachel wasn't big on this to be a sampling. Mark said, referring to the method by which cops collected DNA samples on the sly when they either couldn't obtain a warrant or didn't want to. This is a special case, Rick said simply. You guys have an alternative? Mark pressed because some defense attorney will agree. I'm going to have to go with the Supreme Court on this one. The Fourth Amendment doesn't apply to shit left out on the curb for trash pickup. He glanced at me. Excuse my language. No problem, sir. But the court hasn't especially ruled on the covert collection of DNA. Some people think they have a reasonable expectation of privacy when it comes to their genetic material. Why? Rick eyed her cool. No different from footprints or fingerprints left somewhere. If I can lose some guy's prints from the glass he uses in an interview room and compare them with the ones left at the crime scene, why can't I do the same with his DNA? You crossed her arms, defensive now. I'm merely pointing out that this is a gray area for the courts until there's a ruling. Whose side are you on? Rick snapped. We're trying to get a killer off the streets here. I'm not on a side. My job is to test evidence and report my findings. And my job is to collect the evidence. Let the lawyers argue about what's admissible. I'm trying to protect the public. Hey, you guys mind if we get this over with? Don't ask. My breakfast isn't sitting too well just now. How about one of you experts help us out with what we're looking for? Is your subject a male or a female, Mark? Male? Rick and Jonas said in unison. In that case, keep an eye out for disposable razors, tissues, toothpicks, condoms. This looks like the kitchen trash, Mia said, surveying the smorgasbord of food littering the floor. Rick used his knife to poke through greasy chicken bones, limp, limp bits of broccoli, a slimy carton of Chinese food. Any plastic utensils? She asked. A drinking straw? Maybe some chopsticks? Nothing I can see. Let's try this bag. Jonas said, then dragged it to a space across the floor before ripping it open. Lots of papers in here. Looks like maybe from an office. Again, look for tissues, toothpicks, discarded gum. Mark ticked off the possible sources of DNA. Cigarette butts, envelopes. Coffee cup. Jonah now it's holding up a cardboard Starbucks cup. That looks like lipstick on the lid, may have pointed out. Is there a name written on the side? Jonah examined the customer's name that had been scribbled by some barista. Come in, uh, he read aloud. Then cast a Think this is from the wife's office. Rick cut open a third plastic bag, which looked a bit more promising. Tissues tumbled out some crumbled trash cardboard toilet paper roll. Think I got a bathroom, Rick said. Mia stepped closer. Any razors? Maybe a toothbrush? Rick liked, lifted a piece of trash from the floor, some sort of silver wrapper. How about disposable contacts? He looked up at Mia. Does your suspect wear them? No idea. Rick picked up a small cardboard box with a prescription label. Make that a yes. We got the name right here. There could be touch DNA on the box, Mia said. But it would be better to have the contact itself. You want a contact lens? Jonah shook his head. Yeah, right. Talk about a needle in a haystack. Rick picked up something that looked like nothing and lifted it to the light for a better view. Jonah stopped what he was doing and looked at him. You got to be kidding me. Nope, Rick said. I think I found our DNA sample. Jonah passed more in Bruceland on his way into the station barely 8 a.m. and they both looked dead on their feet. You guys, you guys just clock out? Been here since two, Moore said. Vehicle versus pedestrian over on campus, hit and run. Fatality? Jonah asked. 
damn near. Barely should report it. Kids in ICU probably not going to make it past today. I'm toast. Moore said, turn around as Rick exited, exited the station. Hey, Ricky, how's that task force thing coming? Rick made eye contact with Jonah. There was some kind of news. Slow, Rick answered. Moore and Bruce didn't press, which was a good thing, because their task force work was supposed to be kept confidential. Rick didn't talk much, though, so most people didn't realize when he was dodging questions and when he was just being himself. Jonah lingered on the steps and tied his shoe while the other guys headed off to their cars. You up for a drive? Rick pulled out his keys and flipped them into his mom. Sure, where? Lake Buchanan. I need to check on something. You want to swing by Lane's Lake House? This is something else. I've got a lead that might net us a search warrant. Long as you're driving, Jonathan, my car still smells like a trash chute. Forty-five minutes and one coffee stop later, they almost reached Marble Falls, the largest town near Lake Buchanan. Rick's idea might not pan out, but they didn't have a lot of other leads to follow until the lab results came in. So Jonah figured some legwork wouldn't hurt. Plus, he was tired of sitting around a conference room with Special Agent Singh. She was one of those theoretical types who whiteboarded everything to death and never pounded the pavement. What do you hear from your army, buddy? Rick asked, interrupting his thoughts. It was the first thing he had said since explaining their destination. The firearms guy? Yeah. Haven't heard back yet. Jonah said, pulling his phone out to make sure he hadn't missed a message. In front of Jonah's was the range master at a shooting field west of town. Jonah had asked him if he knew any cops who'd come in lately for some target practice. His ranges went out to a thousand yards and his place was popular with military guys anyway i just called him yesterday jonah said and it's kind of a long shot no pun intended there are a lot of ranges around if someone wanted to brush up fact if our guy's cop he could just be using a police range not if he's practicing 300-yard shots, Rick said. FBI investigators had been out to the gas station and had concluded that Saturday's gunshots were fired from a range more than 300 yards north. True, Jonah said, but he might not have been practicing anything, not of his track records, any indication. Jonah expected an argument, but Rick was too busy grinding his teeth to nubs. Jonah had known the man for years, worked some sh shit cases with him too and he'd never seen him this uptight rick was getting impatient for an arrest he probably wouldn't sleep easy until they got one suspects they knew about were one thing and rick probably figured the lieutenant governor was more or less neutralized because the fbi had him under surveillance but lane's higher gun was a different story rick wanted him id'd yesterday he wanted him locked up in a million way million miles away from mia How'd it go last night? Rick asked as if on cue. He'd been asking for daily updates since he, since she booted him off for surveillance. Pretty quiet. How's me? Jonah, Jonah rubbed the cheek, creaking his neck. Well, her couch sucks, but she makes damn good pancakes, so I'm not complaining. Rick cut a glance at him, and Jonah could see that he didn't appreciate the attempt to lighten things up. No visitors. Jonah, not even any phone calls. Rick was pissed off about that guy Black, and Jonah didn't blame him, he would have felt the same way. You know, you should probably work this thing out with her, Jonah said. It'd be easier for everyone. How's that? Well, for starters, your brother and I wouldn't be pulling these night shifts guarding her all week. It's not like she wants us there. That's pretty clear. 
She stayed in the room all night working, except for when she was in the kitchen making food. Jonah suspected she felt guilty about needing a bodyguard. Two nights he'd stayed out there, she offered to feed him about a dozen times. I bet she'll take you back if you apologize. She <laughs> that usually worked for me. Apologize for what? Whatever you did to piss her off. Jonah looked at him. Me it seemed like the sensitive type, so I guess it was something he said. What you do anyway? Nothing. Silence ensued, and Jonah watched the dreary landscape rush by. Three straight weeks of crappy weather. Today was more the same. The temperature hovered around freezing. Every time Jonah went outside, it was either raining or sleeting or cold as shit. I think I might have given her the wrong idea. Jonah glanced over, surprised. He figured the conversation was it. How's that? I guess you thought I wanted a relationship with her. You don't. Rick looked at him. I am just asking. She's a nice woman. Jonah stated, started to say something about her looks, too, but changed his mind. This job's hell on relationships, Rick said. I asked my ex-wife. Yeah, but it's not like she's going in blind. She knows plenty of cops, and she probably works as many hours as you do, if not more. She's at the lab all the time. Rick didn't say anything, and Jonah was glad to let it drop. He wasn't one to give out advice like this, and Rick was right to some extent. Cops weren't known for their viable personal lives. The Marble Falls City Limits sign came into view, and Jonah started looking for the address. What's the straight again? Visto Bonita. It took about five minutes to find a place, which didn't quite live up to its name. The store occupied the end unit of a mostly abandoned strip mall in an unscenic corner of town. Rick got out of the car and looked at Jonah over the roof as he slammed the door. I've got a good feeling about this place. Why? They're the only game in town. Next closet place. Next closest place is in Austin. A cowbell rattled on the glass door as they entered the store. The reception counter was empty, but Jonah heard the unmistakable sound of Will of Fortune drifting from the back room. Took a moment to glance around. Carpet bolts stood on end around the room. Pegboard lined one on the walls. Bulky sample books dangled from the many hooks there. Chemical scent hung in the air like the smell of a new car, only stronger. May I help you? Jonah turned around at the female voice. The woman was short, middle-aged, and lumpy. Looked as if she tried a home remedy on her mousy brown hair some time ago, and the result was a burnt orange color that started about an inch away from her scalp. Jonah hung back. Rick usually tried the charm approach with women, and it was best not to crowd him. Rick Santos. He flashed my Pam, is it? I think we spoke on the phone. Oh, yes. She smiled and cast a tentative look at Jonah. You're the police officer. We were in the area, and I thought I'd stop by to check on that installation we talked about out on Lakeview Road. The one on New Year's Day. I remember. There's my fault. Like I said, though, our computer's down today. I don't know what all I can tell you besides what we already talked about. What is it you need exactly? Just wanted to get the address on that again. Jonah would bet he never had it in the first place. Well, our computer. I figure you have a record of it floating around somewhere. Maybe an invoice? Rick nodded at the back office where the TV blared and where someone in this outfit presumably kept a filing cabinet. All our records are electronic now, Pam smiled. Ever since we went paperless. Maybe a purchase order, a receipt of some sort. Like I said, all that's on computer, which is down. I can look on the schedule, though. If all you need is an address, that would be helpful, thanks. She reached under the counter and pulled out a thick black binder. 
I write those up myself, post them on the board each week. You said New Year's Day? I think you said that. I believe you remembered the job because it was a holiday. That's right. She flipped over the board. We had to do a surcharge. She goes, I would have let it. I would have let it go. It's not like we were busy or anything, but the owner's kind of a stickler, you know. So I went ahead and sacked on the 20%. She found the page she wanted. Here it is. 226 Lakeview Road, January 1st. Our first job of the year, as a matter of fact. Joan edged closer and glanced at the page. The square for January 1st and a big X over it and an address written at the top. The address belonged to Jeff Lane's Lake House. That was your only job that day? Rick asked very low-key. The stress manic maniac from the drive up here was long gone replaced by the chatty police officer with an easy smile yep she said we did the whole ground floor berber carpet wild wall what do the h and d mean at the bottom there oh that just means our hallway service they wanted that too most people when they replace their carpet they can't use the old stuff we take it off their hands and send it to our recycling partners what happens to it then it gets steam clean, deodorized the whole bit. There's a market for secondhand carpet. A lot of people don't know that, but there is. As long as it's in good condition, not too many stains or anything. What if it's stained, Victor? Say something I'd hard to get out, like maybe ink or blood or red wine. Well, you'll be surprised what we can do about wine nowadays. Our installator, installer can usually tell just by looking whether it's an H&R or H&D. What's an H&D? She tapped her finger on the January 1st, just days before Ashley Mara was discovered face down in a park with carpet fibers clinging to her hair. That's haul and dispose, Pam said. Means we threw it away. For whatever reason, the carpet wasn't fit for recycling. Mia passed Daryl on her way downstairs for lunch. Hey, glad I caught you, he said, making a U-turn back toward the elevator. I was coming by to pass along those research results. What research results? From the profile marks and over? He must have noticed her eye in his paper bag because he offered it to her. Muffin? Oh, God, actually. No, thanks. Tell me about your results. He stepped onto the elevator and waited for the doors to close before telling her. Daryl handed handled sensitive information all day long and understood the importance of discretion. I ran the DNA profile, lifted from the evidence that came down from Fort Worth. He said, pressing the button for G3, where Mia was going to. We're talking about the blood drop on the shoe. Yeah. The one you test, or Mark, I should say, since you're suddenly taking a back seat on this investigation for some reason. I can't discuss it. Hey, I'm not asking. Just pointing out that your mysterious behavior hasn't gone unnoticed. He gave her a weird look. Are you okay, by the way? Ever since your carjacking, you've been acting a little freaky. Freaky? Maybe anxious is a better word, he paused. I've been worried. She'd been the victim of two shooting attempts. Her love life was in shambles, and she had a team of investigators camped out on her street. Anxious was her middle name right now. I'm fine. She smiled, totally faking it. What did you find? Unfortunately, I didn't get a hit. Mia bit her lip. Laura's killer, assuming that was who dripped blood on her shoe, did not already have a DNA profile in the database, so much for an easy ID. I checked the offender index and the forensics index, he said. No match with either. Mia said. I think I'll take a muffin now. He handed one over. Good, because you're probably not going to like my other news either. The profile also did not match the one lifted from the contact lens Mark tested. Or did you already know that part? I didn't. 
No, a lump of disappointment clogged her throat. Rick's prime suspect, the owner of that contact, did not match the blood found on Laura's shoe, which meant that the search warrant Rick so desperately wanted was even further out of his reach now. Should she break the news or should she leave it to Mark? She dumped the idea almost as soon as she came up with it. She'll tell Rick herself, but she definitely wasn't looking forward to the conversation. Mia stepped out on G3 and Daryl followed. Coming with me to the cave yet? Mia glanced nervously down the corridor, heard the sound of muffled gunshots. Actually, ballistics. A little lunchtime firing lesson, huh? I knew you were a secret. You were a secret, Laura Croft. Daryl was joking, but he hit it on the head. Scott had talked her into lessons with the logic that it was pointless to lend her a handgun if she didn't even know how to hold it properly. And so, after decades as a come committed gun-phobe, she was going to learn how to shoot, or at least, how not to shoot herself in the foot. Daryl was staring down at her now, obviously concerned by her silence. She said, nothing that exciting. Don't worry. Just down here having lunch with an old friend. End of chapter 21.